the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, July 21st, 2022. I am Seth Liebson. The number is 602-508-0960. And the alternative cadence, if you'd like to join us, a lot to do today. Got a lot of guests for you as well. And um, I'll save my my official or um, prepared monologue for the third hour, and we'll get into this a bit more deeply. But, of course, the major issue uh, we all woke up to today was learning that Joe Biden has contracted COVID, seems to be doing okay, is in isolation. But, boy, what a difference a turn in the administration makes, isn't it? I remember in, uh, was it October of 2020, when Donald Trump contracted COVID, not only were there, of course, the uh, the wishes of ill health and death on him, we'll get into that more in our monologue as well, but uh, there were all kinds of questions of how he got it. In fact, several members of the administration had been getting it leading up to that point. People were making fun of it. People were wondering how this could be. Uh, this this is, after all, probably the most protected group of people, and Joe Biden even more so. He, the man who was lecturing us on it being, how many times would he have said this? Over 100. Our patriotic duty to do things like wear masks and get, uh, and, and, and get vaccinated and boosted upon those vaccinations. The, the, these are the most careful of people. My goodness gracious, when he went to the Middle East, the pretense was he didn't even want to shake hands with other world leaders, lest he contract COVID from them. There were stories leading up to this about how it was the one thing the White House was most concerned about and one of the reasons that they were trying to keep Joe Biden not just isolated from world leaders when he was abroad, but even here, even here, it had part and parcel was it of it was his basement campaign strategy, not going out and amongst the people as much as, say, others, or including Donald Trump. And it has to do a lot with the explanation for why he wasn't handling a lot of uh, the same kinds of press conferences or press conferences the same way. And the kinds of meetings he was taking uh, were much diminished compared to pre- predecessors of his. The, and, and, and as the stories were showing and as the reasoning went, they were terrified that this man, 79 years old, might get COVID. Well, I'll tell you, it terrifies me, too. We, of course, wish the president well. And that's another difference, isn't it? Uh, we have seen uh, every Republican with a social media account, every conservative with a social media account, wishing uh, that the president get a speedy recovery. That was not the case in the previous administration, and nor was it the case uh, with the previous administration, that it didn't matter how he got it. Today, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre, the uh, the press secretary for the president, was asked about how he contracted COVID, the president. And she said, I don't think that matters, right? I think what matters is we prepared for this moment. 
I love this. This I don't think that matters. I love these declarative sentences that end with a question mark. Um, declarative sentences that end with a question mark almost seems as if you're not yourself confident in your answer. And of course she isn't because there's now whatever the uh, whatever the phraseology is clean up on aisle eight or seven or six or five. There's a clean up necessary here. And she tried to clean it up in real time uh, just a few mem- few moments after Dr. Jha spoke as well. Dr. Jha is uh, the COVID coordinator for the White House. And she said, if we look at where Corinne Pierre, uh, Jean-Pierre then said, if we look at where we are, we're a year and a half ago. This is a president when he walked in. One of his first priorities was to make sure we had a comprehensive plan to get people vaccinated. And so now we look to today, more and more people are getting closer to having a more normal life. Vaccines are available. Close quote. Every word is a lie in that sentence. Every word. Every word is a lie. First of all, first of all, Joe Biden, the vaccines were already starting and the distribution plan was already on his desk by the time he walked in on day one because it had been put together by the Trump administration. You may recall the vaccine was announced for available use a week after the election, a week after the 2020 election. Holy smokes, we have the consummation of everything we had devoutly been wishing for 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 almost a year. Holy smokes. We have a vaccine, and it happened a week after the election. Nice work if you can get it, but they got that work. The Biden administration got that work, and Joe Biden was vaccinated before he took the oath of office. The notion that they were the ones that put out the distribution plan, and when she says, now we look to today, more and more people are getting closer to having a more normal life because vaccines are available. They've been available for an awfully long time now, and what at this point difference does it make if i can quote another democrat what difference did the vaccine make joe biden promised us and too many promised and told us that it was not only our patriotic duty to get vaccinated but that it would keep us from contracting the virus the most vaccinated people in the world are getting it and some who aren't vaccinated aren't now i'm not going to give you your own advice my own advice that you should take i think everyone should do this in in uh, in conversation and consultation with their medical professional or healthcare professional or doctor, that's what I think. I don't think the government messaging on this has done us all any good. I don't think shaming people into do something that clearly didn't work as it was advertised is good public health policy. It's certainly not good truth telling. It's certainly not honest. And by the way, those who were pointing out the obvious me, a few others early on with the vaccine, as we were pointing out the obvious early on with COVID, we were shut down for saying these things. We were shut down for questioning (laughs) the efficacy of the vaccines and the dangers and the dangers we shouldn't overlook too. All of this was novel. All of this was experimental. But boy, the left could not wait to exercise tyrannical control and shame people into doing things they otherwise wouldn't do or or their children. So when Kern Jean-Pierre says we are getting closer to having a more normal life because vaccines are available. Please explain to me. East coast to west. We brought this up yesterday. East coast to west schools. You know it from the summer camp. Schools, again, are reiterating and reissuing mask and vaccine mandates and boosters for children, for children. And we have evidence after we have evidenced after evidenced case after case, school child after school child 
who may not be able to comply with those things because of underlying conditions, some of them emotional, some of them mental, some of them physical, and they say, well, we can't put a mask on, on this child for X and Y reason, some of it having to do with that emotional or, or, or other psychological uh, issues, or the vaccine may have to do with physical issues. You know what they're told again and again, and we are getting the story after story again all over the country. Well, then your kid can't come to school or shouldn't come to school, which immediately then puts us into an interesting conundrum. It puts us as conservatives into an interesting moral challenge for ourselves, because on the one hand, we, of course, need our children educated. And on the other, in most cases, it's even mandated that they have a that they have an education, a formal education up until a certain age certainly is here. And on the other hand, we also know that what's going on in these curricula is a certain amount of tremendous rot, isn't it? A certain amount of, and it is now becoming tremendous, indoctrination. At first it was on race, and then it became on sex. The hottest of cultural issues. The most important things you would want to leave to the parents, the schools have taken over, not as in loco parentis, in place of the parent, which we understood teachers, camp officials, overnight parents, even other parents, if your kid was spending a, a night at their house, that that's that's a temporary in extremist situation where the adult there has temporary or has been ceded temporary authority to make important extreme decisions should they arise. We are in a different world right now. We're in a different realm. It's called parents patriae, where the state is in control. The state is the parent. That's what parents patriae means. The state is the father of the child. That's where we're at now, which is why these schools think they can conceal from parents what the kids are doing with those children. They do it with public health. They're doing it with mental health. They're doing it with racialist thinking. And they're doing it with sex, what they call what they call sex affirmation or what they what we used to call changing your sex they're calling it sex affirmation no 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 that's not it that's orwellian that's the turn of phrase that's the turn of phrase they're using us to invert our thinking they are trying to keep everything from the parent that they can because they want control you want to know where it comes from i'll tell you when we come right back Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, portions of which are brought to you by my good friends at Y-Refi. If you're looking for a remarkable and unique investment opportunity, check out my friends at Y-Refi. It comes with a great return for investors. I'm talking about a fixed no-loan interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where the investors do really well by doing good for others, and you can too. If you're interested in this, check them out. InvestYRefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y, dot com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. I want to turn the COVID thing to an education thing in just a moment, but first, the most important voice is always yours, so let's go to Ken and Tullison. Hi, Ken. Hi, thank you for taking my call, Seth. It's nice talking with you. Nice talking to you, uh, sir. Thanks for calling. 
I, I had a quick question for your audience because I know everybody out there is uh, very, very intelligent and because uh, I listen to you guys all the time and I'm, I'm just a truck driver. But I was under the impression that uh, that, that um, yeah, COVID was a um, like a Pfizer's version of ivermectin. And I remember ivermectin was, was uh, condemned. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah, right, right, right. What what did they call it when Joe Rogan was taking it? What was it? Horse paste or something like that? Yeah. Yes, yes. And yeah. uh, but now it's okay under a different name for the president. Well, I have heard that too, Ken. I let, let, let me let me try and let me let me try and straighten one thing out. I'm certain of, and explain to you about the uncertainty in the other. Let's go to your direct question. I don't know. I don't know. I've uh, the the Paxlovid and its connections, or whether it's a variant of ivermectin. If a doctor wants to call in, uh, we have plenty of them in the audience. And if 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 for whatever reason we don't hear from one, I'll I'll, I'll call Zudi uh, after the show tonight and report back tomorrow. He'll 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 know. Maybe we'll get him on tomorrow. It's been a long time since we've done a Zudi Jasser Friday. Uh, maybe maybe since COVID is back as an issue, we should have Doctor Jasser back as a uh, uh, on this. Uh, he's so good on so many fronts. He was really helpful in guiding us through that. So I I don't know the answer to that, Ken. I I, I simply don't know. Uh, what I do know is that it seems now that the Democrats are in charge, no one's questioning any kinds of therapeutics at all or even whatsoever. Uh, so I'm on, I, I, I'm just the wrong guy to ask. I have a jurist doctor, not a uh, medical doctorate degree, not a not a doctorate in medicine, doctorate in in laws. God help me. But on the other point, the that I am certain about the truck driver, the uh, the the uh, the self effacing um, statement you made about you and your profession, I got to tell you, I I learned rather quickly when I started in the radio business that the smartest people in this country are not the professors, are not the uh, college professors, but they indeed are the truck drivers. And I learned it uh, really early because we had an early morning show. We were in Washington, D.C. at 6 a.m. Eastern, and we had a lot of lot of truck drivers. We had a lot of truck drivers calling in, and it was, it, it was a teaching moment for us. It was an education moment for us every single day because what you guys see and do is well beyond anything any professor could even imagine is seeable or doable. And that's you, you see the country, you see people. Um, Dennis Prager says about Adam Carolla that he has one of the keenest insights on human nature of any man he's ever met. I think that's how he puts it. Right, Bill, that few people understand human nature as well as Adam Carolla. Well, you look at Adam Carolla's background and it's not hard to figure out why any more than it is to figure out someone like Mike Rose understanding of um, of human nature. These guys, they you know, work with people doing real things and travel a lot and see the country a lot. The truck drivers do. I remember one particular year. What year would it have been, Bill? Can you check this out? I'm really sorry to do this. I'm always giving you assignments. What year did William Buckley die? I want to say it was 08 or 09 or something like that. William Buckley, he was one of the nation's obviously most Oh, wait, early 08. Thank you, Bill. Uh, William Buckley died in February of 08. And William Buckley was a hero to so many conservatives uh, up in, uh, I would say, so many conservatives under the age of, at this point, they would be under the age of 50, perhaps, uh, over the age of 50. A lot of people under the age of 50 may have missed a lot of what he did. But 
still worth studying, still worth reading, still worth watching videos of if um, if you're interested in the man who helped primarily make uh, who 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 was who was the man we could he was the indispensable man for the modern conservative movement let me put it that way he was the George Washington of the conservative movement no William Buckley no National Review no National Review no Barry Goldwater no Barry Goldwater no Ronald Reagan no Ronald Reagan no modern Republican Party and probably no Donald Trump either so I, I you know what William Buckley created uh, was an amazing intellectual force for conservatism. Why am I saying that? Because I remember a trucker. We did a big thing on the day he died. We did a show dedicated to remembering William Buckley that February day in 08. And I remember the call I'll never forget from a from a trucker like you, Ken. For all I know, it was you. I don't know. You, you, we had the show here in Phoenix. It was the Bill Bennett show. It aired here early in the morning. But I remember a trucker said, you know, my story about Bill Buckley is this. He said, I'm, I'm a trucker. And he kind of spoke in a self-effacing way the way you did, Ken. He said, I'm a trucker. And uh, I heard that man give a speech once. And I could hardly understand what he was saying. But I knew I wanted to. I knew I wanted to. Something speaks volumes about that, Ken, in the American mind or what used to be the American mind. And I think it's still there with the truckers. It's a profession that took a lot of hits, didn't it? Particularly in Canada, didn't it? And then it rolled into something here that was pretty ugly, too, in the attacks on truckers who were saying, you know, it's enough of these mandates. It's enough of these mandates that make no sense. It's enough of these mandates that make no sense and not just don't just hurt our profession, but are hurting the people we're here to serve. They're hurting the supply chain. You think we don't have supply chain problems? Let us work. Let us do our job. Let us carry goods across this country. And the authoritarian state wouldn't let them do it. And truckers were turned into an enemy, enemies of the people. It was the new profession that was enemies of the people. Before that, it was the cowboys. And before that, it was the cops. Cops, cowboys, and truckers. You think about that as earning the enmity of the left. Why would cops, cowboys, and truckers earn enmity of the left, be the target of the left? Why do we think that would be? Well, for one thing, these are professions in a lot of respects that don't require a college education. You can have one, but they don't require it. And the elites hate that. They hate that. You know why they hate that? They hate that because the colleges are where the mind control comes from. They hate that you don't just as this is why do you think in the teaching profession the unions are so the teaching unions are the teachers unions are so ardent and 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 militant about certification? Why do you think that is? Well, Ken, you're a hero to me. I just wish I had a better answer for you. On the least important part of your call, the most important part of your call was what you said about who you are and what you do because we esteem you. And boy, I learned more from you guys than I've learned from almost all of my teachers. <laughs> I really have. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a delight to bring back to the show. He's been on before, but it's been some time. Jeff Weninger, 
member of our state legislature and a candidate for running for state treasurer. Let me give out the website real quick and the spelling, jeffweninger.com. Jeff is J-E-F-F. Weninger is W-E-N-I-N-G-E-R.com. Jeffweninger.com. A lot of people have asked for who I'm supporting in various races, and a lot of people haven't put as much attention into the treasurer's race as some of the others. Uh, But I am supporting Jeff. I've known of his work and followed him for years, and I like this guy a lot. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. You betcha. I do this with new guests, but it's just been so long since you've been on, and you're running in a new um for an, a different office so let me let me treat you as if you're a new guest if you don't mind for the purposes of the question i want to ask which is tell the audience a little bit about yourself autobiography how you grew up how you came to be doing what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing right now jeff yeah i i grew up in wichita kansas uh was not wealthy but a lot of my friends were so i got a job uh busting cables at 14 years old and kind of got the restaurant bug and moved out to uh, Chandler and Tempe area in 1993 with a friend to open up restaurants. And we have uh, two restaurants still. We have anywhere from 90 to 100 employees at any given time. And uh, ran for the Chandler City Council because I was frustrated with some things in 2006. Served there for eight years. And then I've been serving in the legislature for eight years. The last six as the chairman of the Commerce Committee, dealing with all business business regulations, issues, and uh, banking and insurance. Jeff, why the office of treasurer and what does – it's an office not a lot of people think about often. I mean, it can it can certainly propel people into other offices. Our current governor w- w- was once our state treasurer. Tell the people about the office of the state treasurer and why, why you decided to run for it. Yeah, it, it, it's an office that a lot of people I know don't pay attention right. to, but it is a very important office. They – they handle all the investments of the state. They are the, the bank of the state. They handle, uh, you know, after the investments of the land trust money, after it goes in. They handle all the money that comes from the federal government that the governor has direct purview over. So it's a really important office. I got into it because the current treasurer, uh, Kimberly Yee, was running for governor, so there was really no conservative in the race. And I also ran for it because I'm really concerned about this this thing called ESG, Environmental Social Governance, which I consider the CRT of the financial world. And it's, it's some scary stuff, and it's really happening. And what's happening now, and it's ramping up, and what's scary about it is there's, there's no vote of Congress. There's no bill that the president signs or the state legislature. This is being done by corporations, you know, kind of combined with some globalists, and their way that they want things, and so they're kind of, forcing the Green New Deal and a lot of this stuff through without people even knowing. And uh, so that's that's one of the main reasons I got uh, involved. And I just think uh, I've been a manager of people, like I said, up to 100 employees at any given time for a long time. And, and this is really a, a, a job about managing people. And I think uh, uh, all my experience together lends itself to that. Jeff Weninger is our guest, candidate for state treasurer, uh, current uh, state house of uh, – are you in the state house or the state senate? I know it sometimes goes back and forth. State, state house. Thank you. State yeah, house state of representatives. House. Jeff, I'm in a 
keep you another segment in a moment because I want to I want to educate the audience about ESG, uh, environmental social governance. Right. That's what we're calling it. Environmental social justice, because I think that's new to a lot of people and it's important that it be exposed. It's the CRT of the economy. That's how I think of it or the CRT of economics. And a lot of people didn't see that one coming. So I'm glad you're ahead of the curve and I'm going to allow you I'm going to ask you to speak to our audience more about it when we come back. Yeah, okay, let me take a quick commercial break, if I can, and uh, we will come back to you on that. And I also want to talk to you about your restaurant experience, because it seems to me, restaurateurs, you're not the only one who's running for a state office, although you're the only one running in this uh, for this state office who's a restaurateur, but there are others, federal offices that I know of. It seems to me restaurateurs know an awful lot about what happens when governments go south, when during the COVID pandemic, civil liberties and economic liberties were put at discount. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that, too, when we come back. We will be right back. As I go to break, let me put in a word for our sponsor, Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com's fruits and veggies I take every day. I take them every day without fail to boost my energy, my health, and my immunity. 100% pure. It's simply the best product I've ever taken. Balanceofnature.com blend of 15 whole fruit, excuse me, 15 whole vegetables and 16 whole fruits. 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables. Balanceofnature.com. You can take it too. Just go there and make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Jeff Weininger and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Jeff Weninger is our guest. Uh, he is running for state treasurer. His website, jeffweninger.com, Jeff, W-E-N-I-N-G-E-R. Jeff, you were uh, in the previous segment uh, talking to us about a couple things I wanted to zero in on in um, in things that have informed you and uh, moved you to run for state, regi- uh, state treasurer. And one of them is the fact that you uh, are a restaurateur. You own restaurants. And it just seems to me... You're in the restaurant business. It seems to me that throughout COVID, you know, a bunch of professions had to wake up uh, because they realized what a, uh, shall we say, autocratic state could do to them, what a deep autocratic state could do at the snap of a finger, things that never occurred to them. I think the truckers realized this. A few other industries did. I don't know if anything or anyone was hit so hard as the restaurants. Do you want to speak to that just a little bit, what we learned about the power of the state when it wants to pick on a certain industry? Yeah, thank you for that. It was it was really tough. I mean, immediately we had to pivot and, you know, go to curbside takeaway right away. And then, yeah, we, we found out the power of government of literally scaring our customers yeah. away, making them fearful to even approach our restaurant. And then when they started letting people, you know, come back, but you had to have this distance between tables, people couldn't stand six feet away from each other, or, or your liquor license was in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if people understand how how much, how important it is to have a liquor license at most restaurants, unless you're an IHOP or something. I mean, you, you need a liquor license, and the threat of that uh, was pretty uh, pretty daunting. And so we learned a lot, and my business partner and I uh, have also learned that we are saying uh, never again. <laughs> Good. Live and learn, and, Good. and we will never uh, bend to that kind of nonsense again. 
Good. I, I'm I'm glad, Jeff, that you're saying that, and that and, and that that gives me some, and I know it gives the audience some degree of confidence. It was so bad. Yes, they picked on certain industries, but you know how bad it was. It was so bad that when places opened up again, when those mandates uh, lifted on 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 businesses and going back to restaurants, I was I think. I was there on day one. I went to one of my favorite restaurants the first day we were allowed back to, which is a scary sentence to have to utter, isn't it? Allowed back to a restaurant. But in any event, I went, and you know, it kind of felt like a subversive activity. I mean, we were so – this society changed so quickly into fear and panic when the government told us and the left told us to be in fear and panic that just going to a restaurant felt like you were doing something that was um, subversive dissentful you know it was kind of an odd thing i don't know if you picked up on that too in those days but it was just an odd feeling wasn't it 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 was and then at the same time i was being forced to be some enforcer and arbitrator of oh hey you don't have your mask on and literally i mean uh and then customers are yelling and screaming at each other and we're put in a situation where where we have to be the referees somehow or still our liquor license being threatened right Right, right. And that's right about the liquor licenses. I I don't know this business anywhere close to you do, Jeff, but my understanding is unless you're an IHOP, a restaurant just can't it's it's just not it's a non-profit business without a liquor license. The margins are just yeah. too close otherwise, right? That's pretty yeah. much. So that's, that's, Correct. And it draws people in. Yeah. Some people just won't <laughs> well, even if they're good that. food, they're not going to come if, that if they can't have a beer. Yeah. That's there's that too. That's a funny thing about Did you ever see the movie Sea Biscuit? Not that you had to. It's certainly not a qualification for your office, but it opens up with an interesting line from the historian David McCullough talking about the era of prohibition. He said, just when the nation really needed a drink, it wasn't allowed to have one. Boy, you, know, you could have said that about COVID, too, with the restaurants, huh? just when we needed a drink. Jeff, talk to the audience about ESG a little bit more. This is going to be new to most of them. I think it's going to be new to a lot of people. It's something the left doesn't want us to know about. Tell us about it, Jeff. Yeah, it, it's a, a series of scores. There's corporate scores, and then there's going to be individual scores, the way they're setting this up. But the corporate scores, think of it as, as, a, as your normal credit score for a company. And it's compelling these companies, especially the ones that want to get into these big funds that states you know, invest in, in order to get into that fund, you have to hit their environmental metrics that they have set up in this score and their social justice metrics, and their governance, meaning your board needs to have a certain uh, setting that's a way that they are composed uh, according to whatever... Ra- you know, ra- racial racial lines at first, right? I mean, th- that's... Right. Yeah, 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 okay. But who knows where it's going to go? And so it's compelling some of these larger companies who are behind it. Uh, they're kind of pushing it, because think about it. If they set up a system and a ball game that smaller guys can't really do uh, at scale, then they gobble up their customers once they, you know, the larger companies kind of compel to. It's kind of the same old argument that people used to make about Walmart coming into a town and running the small guys out of business. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh-huh. but the left is literally putting this in action. But then there's also going to be uh, individual scores. And if you have a Merrill Lynch account right now, you have an ESG score on there. And pretty soon... Think about it. think about what they did uh, to the Canadian truckers right. and all of them, and how they took their money and they even took their cryptocurrency out of centralized exchanges. And think about the six hundred dollars in or out of an account that they watch. They're going to be watching your accounts, see how big your house is and how much electricity you're using. 
okay, your score just went down. Maybe you don't get a loan, or maybe you get a higher interest rate on a loan, just like a normal credit. Or a higher down payment to get the loan that becomes unaffordable or something. Yeah, I'm following. Keep going. Yep. Right. So, you know, I'm fighting back at this on the on the level of the government at first. And okay. one one thing is is thinking about the, we have a state bank contract that a large bank has, and they're one of the most anti-Second Amendment banks in America. We've had an opportunity to get out of this for the last two years, and we keep putting billions of dollars in their bank in order for them to be working against our Second Amendment rights at every turn. And in the Arizona Constitution, as you probably know, it says the purpose of government is to protect your rights. Mm-hmm. I don't think, if I'm the state treasurer and I'm continuing a contract giving billions of dollars of the people who are listening to this show, their money, uh, to a company that's working against our Second Amendment rights, that, that I'm fulfilling that part of the Constitution. So uh, I, I will look to go, to, one, I'll look to get a different bank, but then I'll look to go to the legislature and have them uh, create the ability to have multiple service banks so we can lower the liquidity levels needed and allow some of our smaller banks with our American and Arizona values to participate and grow. Jeff, this is this is such an incredibly important thing. When you talk about this in front of audiences, do eyes I, I, eyes must light up? I'm betting people most people don't know about it. I, I, I guess we we have seen versions of it though here and there. If you are a prominent businessman who falls on the wrong side of certain political. Uh, shall we say, certain political catechisms, banks can drop you. Banks can drop holding your accounts. You can find it hard to find a bank, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the beginning yep. essence of this, isn't it? Yeah, and I've been to a lot of gun shows to this campaign, and, oh, yeah. and most of these guys say, no, banks won't bank us, and they literally have to charge 7 and 8% transaction fees because that's the only kind of companies they can get to process their credit card transactions. And so it's it's a real thing. I think more and more audiences I talk to, it used to be 10% knew about it. Now, on average, it's at least 20 to 25%, and in a lot of rooms, 50% Good. have already heard about it. Because I, I ask that question everywhere I go. Good. Good. That's a great way to start. That's a great way to, to start the conversation of educating people about it. I'm glad you are on this case. You're really one of the... Uh, no, it's, you're not one of the only. You are the only candidate. I've interviewed a lot of them. You're the only candidate talking about this. So may your voice go strong, uh, get stronger on it, and uh, may you uh, may you be successful in this race. Anytime, Jeff, I don't do this often on air, but I'm just going to do it with you. Anytime you have something you want to get out on this issue, just give us a call. We'll put you right on. This is so hugely important. I am just sick and tired of the crimping and the stinting quietly crimping and stinting of our economic and civil liberties. And uh, the, to the degree that you can keep us awake and aware of it, Jeff, Godspeed to you on it. God bless you on it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. You betcha. Jeff Leninger has been our guest. He's running for the Office of State Treasurer. You can help him out by going or learn more about him, too, if you like, by going to his website, jeffweninger.com, Jeff, W-E-N-I-N-G-E-R.com. Thank you, Jeff. Godspeed, continued good luck, and I will be right back. Every day, more harmful decisions by the current administration hurt the economy. You just heard Jeff talking about some of it, robbing your savings and investments. 
Inflation, 41-year high, making your money worth less, and now real possibility of full-blown recession. You can't really afford to lose more. But the good news is when investments fall, gold traditionally holds its value, which is why I recommend calling Midas Gold Group, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. These are good guys. These are really good guys. Give them a call to talk about safeguarding your wealth and investment with physical gold or other precious metals. It's the only company, Midas Gold Group, that I, Seb Gorka, thousands of you already know and own precious metals from. They're my guys. MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com or 480-360-3000. So much to talk about. Boy, they flood us, don't they? They flood us with incoming. That's how they want us. Uh, They always want us on defense. And uh, God bless those of you who are going back and taking it to them and going on offense. We have a few leading warriors on this stuff, and some of them is meeting the enemy or the opponents, perhaps a better word, the opponent, where he is in the um, in the culture, meeting them on the cultural fronts. One of those great people is Ami Horowitz. Many of you know him from his Prager U videos. Many of you know him from his Dennis Prager interviews. Many of, him, many of you may know him from his documentaries. Well, he just put out a new one on uh, Israel and the Middle East, Israel and the Palestinians uh, over at PragerU. It's fantastic. It's about 12 minutes long, so we're not going to play the whole thing. In fact, we're not going to play any part of it. You know what we're going to do? We're going to bring on Ami Horowitz. That's what we're going to do. So don't go away. Ami Horowitz coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 